scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 27, beginning at verse 32. It's page 834 in the Blue Bible in front of you. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests, with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the, now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. You may be seated. Thank you. 
talking about the passage that I read from the gospel according to Matthew 27. You know, some things get rehearsed so often that they become hackneyed and cliché. It's the same with this scene, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. I mean, when rappers and thugs and slutty singers and crooks and criminals can all wear crosses without even blushing in shame, you know it's the case. And then Christians find themselves tossing out the cross with the same verbal paltriness that they do when describing their favorite Starbucks drink. You know it's the case. That's when it becomes clearly obvious that we have lost the surprise and stunning wonder of it all. But here in Matthew chapter 27, the gospel teller is pointing out that the cross Surprise, surprise, was the beginning of the end and the beginning, the new beginning. 
And so primarily focusing on verses 45 through 51, if you're following along, the beginning of the end. Notice that the end comes with an attention-catching, heart-stopping darkness. Like one of those last plagues before Israel was liberated from Egypt. With omens in the heavens, we see that creation itself is affected by what it is witnessing at Golgotha. And into this bleak space of time comes the prophetic whisper of earlier words spoken by our Lord Jesus back in Matthew 24. And it comes uh, to mind the description of a time when the end comes creeping over the horizon immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This, my friends, is the beginning of the end. So it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus told us so. And at the end of the period of darkness, there comes a decision. It's really in verses 46 through 50. The Son, the Son eternally intimate with the Father, the Son, eternally intimate with the Father, to whom all things have been handed over by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. The Son, eternally intimate with the Father, now cries out in utter desolation. This is what it means, my friends, for the Son of Man to give His life as a ransom for many. And this is what it means when our Lord hands us the chalice and he says, this, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so this moment should stop us cold in our tracks. When, whenever we're tempted to say with all of our self-assuring flippancy. Oh, God will forgive me anyway. No, dear friends, no. The Son of the Father being torn away from the eternal intimacy, crushed under the load of guilt. Oh, God will forgive me anyway. No, dear friends, no. The Son crying out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, it's all right. God will forgive me anyway. No, dear friends, no. The cross should make every one of us say instead, get behind me, Satan, with your bruises and subterfuges. Here! At the cross is what my sin deserves. Oh, be silent, you tempting heart that would excuse my sin with soothing self-justifications and pacifying pretexts. Here at the cross is what my sin deserves. This, my own sin. And here at the cross is the only Son of the Father torn from the Father's bosom because of this sin I'm tempted to do. This, my own sin. My sin. Rather, should we say, alas, I did my Savior bleed. I did my Sovereign die. Would He devote 
that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I had done that he'd groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. And here, here at the cross, in the middle and the muddle of all the misunderstanding and mix-up. Oh, he's crying out to Elijah. Let's see if Elijah will listen to him. In the midst of all the misunderstanding and mix-up, Matthew slips in a subtle notification that already implies that the victim will be the victor. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus, the Passover lamb, also becomes the priest, yielded up his spirit. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Our Lord decided when the moment would be that it would be accomplished, yielded up his spirit. The Passover lamb has become priest. And then with our Lord's decision, the temple is decommissioned. Notice that in verse 51, there's a veil between humankind and God. That veil that separated us is suddenly and surprisingly ripped. And now the temple is decommissioned. Because now the way into the eternal presence of God the Father has been thrown wide open has been torn open through the death of Christ. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. But also, in that act of the ripping open of the curtain and the decommissioning of the temple is the, is the coming looming judgment Upon the temple, it has begun in earnest. He answered them and said, You see all these stones in the temple? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The temple has been decommissioned and judgment is coming upon the temple. And think of this, if that's what God will do on the very temple He commanded to be built, what will he say about all of our shrines that we set up, our own false ways that we set up to draw our way close to God if he decommissions the temple at the death of Christ? How much more does he throw our shrines out on their ear? The beginning of the end. Ah, but there's a new beginning. And it's verses 52 through 54. Here, in the strangeness of it all, the beginning, the new beginning has begun. Now, there's not enough information here to answer all 372 and a half questions that swell up in our minds about who it was that was raised out of their graves and what was that all about and how and when and what. There's just not enough information. But the point is very clear. After his resurrection, verse 53, whatever else happened, the death of our Lord is potent and powerful because of what will happen three days later. 
Therefore, the point is not only that this is the moment, that this moment is the beginning of the end, but it's also that this is the beginning of the beginning, the beginning of the new beginning. And the clincher comes in verse 54. There, there's a centurion, a Roman soldier, a centurion, and those who are with him. And they're watching. And they're experiencing all the sights and the sounds and the stench and the smell and the shakes like an Oklahoma earthquake. Like the shakes. And these Gentiles can only gulp hard and sputter out. What? Well, before we get there, remember this. That twice before the adversary back in Matthew 4 challenged our Lord Jesus when He tempted Him and said twice, If you are the Son of God, then do this. If you are the Son of God, then do that. And remember the religious elites and the sanctimoniously smug dared Jesus after He did miracles, releasing some from prisons, uh, shackles to demonic forces and and, uh, disease. And what did they say to Him immediately? Show us a sign. Challenge. And then the chief priests The chief priest and his cabal incredulously demanded of Jesus, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And then just moments before the crucifixion and Jesus yields up His Spirit, there at the foot of the cross, they harangued Him and harassed Him. You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself! If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. One listens closely to the voices at the foot of the cross. You can still hear the serpentine whisper, if you are the Son of God. And now here, here under the cross, in the midst of all of these challenges by those who are supposed to be God's faithful people. All of a sudden, our Lord's promise that He spoke to an earlier centurion back in Matthew 8, a promise He spoke to an earlier centurion is right here before our very eyes being fleshed out. Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in that place where we'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice, here at the cross is the new beginning. There are all of the sons of the kingdom, and what are they doing? Oh, if you're really the Son of God, then come down from that cross. Here's a centurion and those with him, those from the east and from the west. And I found more faith in them than I found in the sons of the kingdom. Oh, dear friends, a new thing is exploding into the world stage. God's world rescue operation is lifting off, is blasting off. The Lamb of God is taking away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ, the righteous, has become the propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Human 
History is turning the corner. And that's exactly what he said. And I, when I am lifted up, will draw all people to myself. The beginning of the end, to be sure. But also the new beginning has begun. And so every man and woman and girl and boy is put at a crossroads here at the cross and is being asked, will you remain with the hecklers at the foot of the cross sneering at Jesus? Why, He saved others. He cannot save Himself. He is the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross and we will believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver Him now if He desires Him. He said, I am the Son of God. If you choose to remain there at the foot of the cross with the crowd sneering at Jesus, then that is only the way of pending judgment thrown into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. Or, will you here at the foot of the cross sidle up next to the centurion and those who were with him? And will you say with them, truly this was the Son of God? If so, then this is the way of the new beginning the way of forgiveness, the way of inclusion into the new family of God, the new way of being human, the new destiny of the world and of human history. You're at a crossroad to the cross. Where will you go? Let's pray. Oh Jesus, we adore Thee. Upon the cross, our King, we bow our hearts before Thee, Thy gracious name we see. That name hath brought salvation, that name and life our stay, our peace, our consolation, when life shall fade away. Amen.